I wore a dress of hers in a photo shoot like a few years ago. Do you remember that, Iris? Yeah, um, I, I, I've seen the image and it's really beautiful. And I just, and I remember thinking, wow, but this is something different. This is, this is different from a regular dress. It just felt like, yes, as you said, maybe a second skin, but just uh, in another dimension or something. And it has something very futuristic that I'm very drawn towards. Welcome, everybody. I am Susie Menkes, editor of Vogue International at Condé Nast, and you are listening to my podcast, Creative Conversations. As a journalist reporting on the global fashion industry, I want to take you backstage and give you an insight into my world. Listen to my exclusive conversations with creatives, industry leaders, and those whose voices have some of the greatest impact. I think you might find it interesting and maybe intriguing. For episode 11, we're reporting from Haute Couture. This season, the industry has had to rethink the traditional way of presenting, and each house has turned to submitting digital presentations instead of the traditional show format. One such designer on the couture schedule I've been lucky enough to catch up with is Iris Van Herten. Here, she talks to me about the eponymous short film she has submitted to the Fédération de la Haute Couture and how she called upon fellow Dutch friend and Game of Thrones actress Carice Van Houten as inspiration and collaborator. We discuss the couture dress made by Iris under lockdown, which Carice stars in and is named Transmotion, meaning visionary or creative perceptions of the seasons and the visual scenes of motion in art and literature. Iris has called upon her Dutch heritage, not only by using Carice, but also by references Dutch artist Isha as an influence. Iris began showing in Paris in 2007 and I watched her quickly move away from ready-to-wear to couture, or unofficially known by her as tech couture, where delicate handmade embroidery and needlework is replaced by code. The designer herself is known for stating, tech just can't keep up with me. Centering is on nature. Her extraordinary skill is in melding the soft side of a natural world and its many tougher elements with a big force of technology and innovation, merging art and science with craftsmanship and technology. Using a diaphanous bloom of white silk organza, like fronds frozen in time, and a touch of crystalline filaments which sprout from the centre, the effect of the dress made for this film is both a couture and futuristic masterpiece. Melding the designer's fascination with science and the woman power felt in Carice as an actress in her role as Melisandre in The Game of Thrones, I am going to find out the story of the film, the dress, the star, and how it is all something close to the heart of Iris. So Iris, can I start by taking you back to what seems an age away, but actually it's only six months. Your collection shown in January 2020 in the Paris Couture season. I remember it so well, you called it Sensory Seas, and you told me at the time that the inspiration was the paintings of our nervous system and exploring ultra-deep waters. 
There's no doubt the collection was really beautiful, but would you also describe it, as I did, as a meld of art and science, and that you were daringly bringing the machine into couture? Yeah, I think that's a nice uh, contrast that you're mentioning there, because I think in a lot of my work, there is a merge between uh, art and science and also craftsmanship and technology and I really believe those those contrasts actually need each other and also and lift each other. The inspiration uh, also came from a scientist who uh, is also an artist, uh, Ramon I. Kajal, uh, who was a neuroscientist looking at our brain patterns uh, but was able to make extraordinary uh, beautiful drawings uh, from those patterns and uh, I felt really inspired by the, the two talents that he had and the way he was able to, to merge the two. So also bringing uh, science into a wider audience. So yeah, you're absolutely right that uh, both elements were very prominent in the collection. And, and Iris, I've been looking about what you're offering for couture. And it's really an exceptional dress with this kind of feathery pleats. And um, I think it draws inspiration from the Dutch artist Isha. The bodice looks like sort of shorn winter branches of a tree of life with a polymer structure mm. that gives them to the dress. Am I making any sense here? <laughs> I know it's designed for Caris van Houten, um, who's here with us, the yeah. star figure in Game of Thrones. So maybe I can hear from both of you about the dress. Carries, tell me about your amazing dress. Oh, <laughs> I just, it was such a pleasure to put it on because first of all, we had, we didn't have time to do a fitting. So I was just really nervous that I was going to, you know, be able to fit in it. So it actually fit me like a glove and I was so, 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 so relieved. And Same apart here. from that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And, um, but it just makes me feel, it has something very fragile, but at the same time, it's so sort of you can't get around me. You know, it's 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 um it's very present and and but but very fragile at the same time. And I just felt like it was really my dress. I I I, I yeah, it really fit me. I think. Um, tell me a bit more, um, Carice, about the two of you. Um, you're both Dutch, that I know, and the film is an homage to the heritage of the brand itself. And Carice, you've just said to me that you love the dress and that you're one of Iris's followers. And I also want to know from Iris, is um, Carice one of your followers who you really feel special about? Basically, I'm asking this question. How did you two find each other? I have been um, a big admirer of, of Carice already for a long time. And it's interesting because we do live in the same city and we didn't meet before this collaboration. And um, it, it was one of my dreams to, to work together. So I'm, uh, yeah, I feel really honored that uh, we found the right time and the right, right project to, to collaborate together. It's funny because... I, you know, I live in Amsterdam and, and Iris lives in Amsterdam, but I feel like she, she's a star. So she's probably in New York, you know, and and it's the same thing with what people think of me always, that if they see me in Amsterdam, they're yeah. like, oh, you're back, you're back. And I'm like, I've never been away. I've never been gone. I've, I'm just here. And I think we both probably are people that are not very... Um, I mean, we like our privacy, I think, uh, and maybe we're both quite shy, in fact. Uh, you won't really see me unless I really, really want to do someone a favor. Or, But, but other than that, you won't really see me in, in big spaces with a lot of people. Um, 
So I think maybe that's that's something that you know um, we have in common, and maybe that's why we we have not met before. And now you have. You know that you're made for each other. Um, Iris, <laughs> I want to ask you something about um, Professor Neri Oxman, one of your early mm-hmm. collaborators, and he describes what you produce as incredible possibilities afforded by these new technologies which allowed us to reinterpret the tradition of couture as tech couture. I love that phrase. Where delicate handmade embroidery and needlework is replaced by code. Have you used and displayed couture in your three-minute film? Can you describe your film a little that we're going to see and what you were trying to achieve? I understand the general thing that it's about regeneration and rebirth. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I think there is a strong um, femininity uh, that I wanted to express in in this project. And that's also where I hoped that Coes would be collaborating on it. And the, the dress, but also the project is very much inspired by uh, her presence and her as a being. Uh, on, on the concept side of, of the, the project or the film, Um, I really wanted to express uh, my fascination for motion and movement, which I think is a quite of a like a large word that means a lot. Uh, zooming in on a dress, obviously it's the connection that we create between the garment and our body. But on a larger scale, I think it also reflects the time that we are currently in. That is definitely uh, phrased by a movement and uh, emotion uh, that we all are are wanting interestingly enough and i think that's that's a beautiful that got to me as well that we are actually restrained in our movements at the moment and that creates a bigger movement as a whole and i think that contrast is something that i tried to to visualize uh into a dress even though it's it's abstract and it's difficult to bring a larger subject that we all feel into into matter uh, i did try uh to Yeah, to bring that uh, emotion into the dress when I was draping it. And uh, I, I think it symbolizes growth. Yeah, in a way, it's also symbolic, I think, for how we try always to tame nature and how we always try to redesign our woods. And when you look at the dress, you see uh, seeds and you see from the seeds, it's growing into branches and then it uh, even grows out into like a transparent layering of leaves and it, it's structural but very fragile at the same time and I think it's our relationship with with ourselves and nature uh, that is reflected into it. It's very beautiful what you say. Um, Carissa, I'd, I'd like to ask you, the setting of your film is very graphic and offset to show the fluidity of the fabric. How exactly did you collaborate with this video? Well, funny enough, I just, because she's such a you know, like a, a phenomenon, I just completely surrendered to her and to her ideas. So, and I think as an actor, you just have to sort of, we have to surrender anyway, and just work with your own intuition. And I'm I'm a very intuitive person. So that's also what I felt that day. It was just sort of, sort of very, um, very organic kind of way of working together. And like, yeah, fluids, like it was, um, I didn't feel like I was trying to do something. I just felt really free and very, Very at ease, in fact. That's um, nice. I, th- I think that's always what I try to also do in collaboration, to um, indeed not to steer it too much or to uh, push something 
uh, strongly into one direction. I think when uh, when it's organic and not too controlled, I think there is a lot uh, more realness coming from it. Yes, I know um, one thing that you, you're fascinated by. You're majorly into Games of Thrones. So how big, Iris, is your own obsession? How much have you been influenced in this latest couture collection with this collaboration and with the Game of Thrones? Well, I have to confess something here. I actually haven't <clears throat> watched the series. What? <laughs> and I know, <laughs> I know I'm the last person on Earth. But um, uh, I have to frame, (laughs) I guess, my background here. Like, I I grew up without television and uh, putting myself uh, uh, in front of the television for, like, an hour, that's something I can do. A lot longer is is something that I'm not used to. And um, I I really want to see the series. I just have to to learn and to, uh, I don't know, to to set myself... uh, to, to really do it. I mean, it's a huge commitment. Yeah. I, I totally get it. You have to break a, a leg before you can watch that, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's a dedication. Uh, and when I, when I dive into it, I really want to do it. Like, I, I want to I, I wanna go all the way. But um, I'm, I'm just not used to watching uh, a lot. I, I guess so far I've just been more influenced by uh, some women <laughs> in the series than the series itself. Well, Iris, I'm going to let you get out of this tangle you've got yourself in of not having seen these wonderful films. (laughs) Aren't you part of an artistic grouping in Amsterdam where your work centre is? Do you remember I came to your studio, I think a couple of years ago now, and I saw you in action in your atelier, and your work is very complex. Can you explain Mm. in a simple way how your creations are so different from any other designer? In fact, do you even think of yourself as a fashion creative or something more artistic, something more scientific? How do you see yourself? Mm. Well, I've always seen fashion as a form of art. Um, So I I do see myself definitely as a fashion designer because the body is really my muse. And I I would never want to go away from the body. I think there there is a beauty there that can just not... Uh, I, I can just I can't let go of that, and um, so so fashion definitely is my medium. I just interestingly enough get my inspiration from so many other fields. I, I feel fashion can be so much more than how we perceive it today. Uh, it it feels that the world has quite a limited uh, perception towards what fashion means to us or what it can be, and um, it's it's like music and architecture and all other disciplines within art even literature i really believe fashion has a big influence on who we are and really reflects uh, where we can where we are heading towards and um, i just feel that it needs to be questioned 
uh, a lot and it needs to be open, more open for change. And I think it needs to become more collaborative as well with other disciplines. So I, I feel I uh, I can at least do that in my in my atelier and collaborate with artists and scientists and amazing people like Carice. And it just feels I um, express to people that fashion really is connected to art and um, it's it's inspiring us to to recreate ourselves and to re-see our identities and even how we perceive ourselves. So, Iris, tell me something here. You've dressed some major stars, um, from Beyoncé to Bjork and Lady Gaga, Tilda Swinton, yet your clothes are never what you might call an average slip-on gown. How do you manage uh-huh. to work with these important and famous people like Carice? Well, actually, I'm going to ask her. Carice, what does it feel like to wear Iris Van Herpen? Yeah. It's, it, she says it so beautifully. I don't know if, if I can top that. Um, it's something else. It is, as she said, it's, it's not fashion as we, as we know it. It's, it just brings out something completely different. And I don't feel like I'm, you know, just a, a model in a, pushed in a dress. I just feel like it, it actually lifts me up. It, it, it completes something of me. It's very heartwarming that you say that because clothes often seem so particular with famous people, so often seem to be taken away from them, not part of them. Um, I was wondering, these lockdown restrictions must have been very difficult to film together in those circumstances, or is it one of these things you can rise above when you are an actress? Well, uh, I, f- I felt like we were pretty good with distance. Um, at the same time, it didn't feel like we we were restricted, to be honest. I think it was, as I said, it was such a sort of natural flow and it was so sort of organic anyway. So I didn't feel like anyone was trying to, it was, there was no pressure on any, any, any sort of, uh, I think we just did it really like we should, but it didn't feel like we were, um, that, like the police was standing outside. I still thought we could be creative and yeah, I felt very comfortable in fact. on your fascination with nature and with scientific exploration. Ever since you launched in Paris, I I was there, and I still am, of course, to see you, and I'm mesmerised by your futurist vision, really mesmerised. Can you talk a bit more about your vision for fashion incorporating science? Absolutely. Um, It sounds large, but I think the... um the responsibility of a fashion designer perhaps has grown over the last few years into into a consciousness of what we want to add to this world. Um, at least that's how I feel and I, I feel very conscious about creating and uh, adding my work and uh, that's why I guess I also chose to to go into haute couture instead of ready-to-wear because I really feel I can focus on uh, quality over quantity. And I think that's um, a decision that needs to become more prominent in, I think, uh, fashion uh, as a whole. And I think science can really, uh, and even, I mean, technology and, and, and innovative 
uh, processes within um, our making process and also the, in the materials we choose can really help fashion going forward and uh, help to reduce uh, the footprints that we leave behind. And uh, that's, where, that's why I feel very strongly on, on um, bringing fashion and technology and science uh, closer together because I really believe it's the only way we can really make progress in, in the speed that we actually need to. So, yeah, I, I hope I inspire others to do the same because obviously, uh, yeah, we're going to need a lot of people and a lot of houses to, to change their, their way of making a garment. Well, Carice, I'm sure, is one of the people who is um, fascinated by what you're doing, not just fascinated, but really caring about what you're doing. And, Iris, um, you really do have the ability to design a second skin. And I think you described it as the body acting as armour in motion. Carice, when did you start to become aware of Iris and her work? And what drew you towards her designs? Was it the second skin and armour in the same way uh, Melisandre uses beauty and female power as a weapon to achieve her goals? Did, did the two come together in your mind? Oh, um, how funny that you did you <laughs> that bring that character. Um, well, I, I, she, I wore a dress of hers in a photo shoot like a few years ago. Do you remember that, Iris? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I I've seen the image and it's really beautiful. And I just and I remember thinking, wow, but this is something different. This is this is different from a regular dress. And even though it was sort of pretty see through, I didn't feel like it was about my sexuality. It just felt like yes, as you said, maybe a second skin, but just uh, another dimension or something. And it has something very futuristic that I'm very drawn towards. Uh, you know, Melisandre is the opposite. That's, of course, just... Even though she's quite a modern a modern lady, um, it's hard to <laughs> to bring those things together, to be honest. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about Melisandre's um, magic, that uh, large ruby necklace which glimmered when she was doing her magic things. And that enchanted yeah. necklace... Yeah, where can I buy it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I want to know that as well. <laughs> but she, it hit her identity as an aging woman and gave her the power of youth. I definitely need it. <laughs> when I told friends I was interviewing you, Carice, everyone wanted me to find out how they could get their hands on one. Wouldn't it be nice? Oh, it would be so nice. I mean, I could, I could have such a good um, business selling those if I only knew. <laughs> um, yeah, I think... I think it was Bette Midler that wrote something about the necklace, you know, like where, you know, I need one of those. or it's my birthday's coming up soon. Like, where, where can I get one? Um, <laughs> I'd also love to know something, um, Carrie's, that being the red woman or the priestess in the Game of Thrones, so intensely coloured in red hair and red costumes, while all the other characters in the drama were in dark shades of grey and brown, was that sense of colour empowering for you, Carice? Oh, yes. I mean, it was, It was, in fact. Partly uh, the hair did was 50% of my character, I, I want to say. A, because my own hair is pretty dead and, and just nothing. So every time I put that wig on, it was like, oh, it, it just, I felt so, yeah, empowered, I guess. And 
And in fact, the dress, which is the opposite of Iris's dress, it was really sort of restricted and... And, and but it definitely helped me building that character. I couldn't really move much. I, I just felt like mm-hmm. a very, I was in armor as well. But but the red definitely, that was my color throughout. It, I don't want to wear it anymore. <laughs> I mean, I was so sick of it at the, by the end of the of the seasons. Um, Tell us all your secrets. Tell us what we'll see you in next. What will you be able to go back to and wear and to work in? It must be very challenging at the moment with the hair and makeup and being on set with a crew. Can you actually work in the current circumstances? Um, well, it depends on the story, obviously. The the, the show I'm going to do next, which is called Temple, um, which is a British TV show uh, for Sky with Mark Strong. I did a, a season last year, and so we're starting the second season. And because we have big sets and not a lot of actors, we, we are able to keep distance. Um, but it's going to be a challenge. I don't know how they're going to do makeup on me. Uh, I mean, I'm lucky that I'm not wearing a wig, but curl. I mean, they, I have curls in my hair in that show. I don't. I cannot do that by myself. It would be a mess. <laughs> so I have no idea how we're going to do that with some stick or or curlers or I don't. I have no idea. That's going to be um, challenging. I think a challenge. Yes. Um, Iris, I wanted to ask you about something else. You've worked with some well-known futurist artists and geniuses even, like um, Anthony Howe and Neri Oxman. And you've also worked with Philip Beasley, who's based in Toronto, Canada, and he calls his work Living Architecture. His sculptures and installations look like nature gone wild, and you've also created alien plant life. Are you kindred spirits, would you say, with him? Is what he thinks and what he achieves, something that is very much part of you and your work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been collaborating with Philip for, uh, I think, seven years now. And um, he is one of those people that can really feel the future, I would say. And um, he has a radical vision towards uh, new design language and... I I I really see him as a mentor um in stretching <laughs> the limits of my own imagination and um he has been very influential on on even how I look at fashion in understanding that in the future the the um, materials that we will be able to work with are so radically different than than yeah the ones we know today it 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 really keeps me going and um i think we really share a curiosity um that that goes pretty far and um i i kind of need that uh that energy for creating my my process and to to keep on inspired um Iris, could, could i just whiz through your your past um, you started your career as a ballet dancer and your first personal fashion statement was launched with a show in 2007 after interning with Alexander McQueen, among other designers. And four years later, I remember reading the words in Time magazine and they claimed in the magazine that your 3D printed dresses were one of the 50 best inventions worldwide in 2011. How did you feel about this global recognition in a magazine that isn't even anything to do with fashion? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I have been very blessed in how open-minded people have been towards 
my expression of fashion because definitely it's it's a different one than than people are used to and um i can imagine uh not everyone understands it directly <laughs> and uh i remember when i started 3d printing uh people just didn't understand what i was talking about even <laughs> they were thinking that my dresses would come out of a regular paper printer there was just no language for the the types of collaborations i was doing and the, the um, yeah the 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 way i i look at fashion it was just it 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 took a while for 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 me even to 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 find the right words to explain to people where i wanted to go and i i feel really blessed that people have yeah have been so open minded towards it and even seeing the craftsmanship in it because obviously there's a lot of technology involved and innovation is a is a big force within my work but ultimately it's craftsmanship and couture and the um, the, the love for the meditative side of of uh, craftsmanship as well that that i think is really guiding the work and i think you are one of the people that have been uh so supportive in expressing the work into a larger audience and um it wasn't always easy for me uh to find the right words but um uh definitely you Suzy has uh, have has had a big impact as well on uh on explaining the work to to people when you know something is that a journalist can only do so much. First of all, someone has to produce something original, imaginative, extraordinary and exceptional. And you did that. And Carice, wow. I'm sure you agree with me here, don't you? That oh, yeah. It's, it, how, how do you really feel when you put on something that's designed by Iris? Do you, do you think of all this backstory about the work she's done in? Or do you just feel that you're wearing a garment that you love? Well, it's a bit of both, in fact. Um but I, mostly i just feel really cool because she's so different from anyone else you know that that's that that alone is makes me want to wear it you know that she's she's a she's a standout within the rest and um well you are <laughs> well thank you but i've been so honored to collaborate yeah it's it's great that she's inspired by so many different things than what other fashion designers per se are are inspired by she's she's a true artist and i really gravitate towards that Iris, in the fashion world you are part of the game of thrones congratulations on everything that you do can't wait to see the next one and i was really pleased to have a chance to talk to you both both fascinating interesting and a pleasure for me to do thank you so thanks much. so much bye it's lovely talking to you both. thank you hope to see you soon Van Herpen and your muse, Carice von Houten, thank you so much for spending this time with us. I do hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I so enjoyed hearing how you, Iris, believe fashion has a big influence on who we are today and really reflects where we are heading, inspiring us to recreate ourselves and to re-see our identities and even how we perceive ourselves. Carice, thank you for sharing how Iris's work feels like it lifts you up and completes something of you, like a second skin and another dimension. Thank you also for divulging in what you'll be starring in next 
and explaining how the colour red of your Game of Thrones character, Melisandre, empowered you. Eris's full couture collection will be shown in next January 2021. But today it was great to get an insight into her world, extraordinary handwork and vivacious lust for using innovation and technology and 3D printing in fashion. Please join me next week where I'll be in conversation with shoe designer Christian Louboutin, who will be talking to me about his empire and the current exhibition in Paris that has just reopened at Palais de la Porte Dorée. If you would like to find my articles, visit the fashion channel of vogue.co.uk and at Susie Menke's Vogue on Instagram. If you have enjoyed the podcast, then please do rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, YouTube and many others. Creative Conversations with Susie Menkes is produced by Natasha Cowan and edited by Tim Thornton. Music by Jörg Zuber, graphics by Paul Wallace and production assistance by Lauren Sweeting. Music